Let's give you some praise. Thank you. All right, you can take a seat. Get nice and comfy, ready to receive the word today. And Anna, our worship team are amazing. Hey, we love them and uh, doing a great job. Great anointing this morning. I mean, it's always there, but uh, particularly something fresh there, something new this morning. And uh, it all comes down to their discipline and their commitment. Uh, so they're amazing. Can I ask someone, Pastor Sandy, I'm going to just grab, thank you so much. All right, well, today we're finishing a teaching series. And uh, I, like t- I like starting teaching series, but probably my favorite thing is to finish them. Uh, more because it's about getting, locking in things and getting uh, an understanding of what God's wanting to do. So uh, we have been doing a, a series called 30 Days to Live. And this is part three, our final part. And so what we want to do is let's review the first two parts quickly. We'll have a look at this next slide. I like to, to do this more and more, and we summarize at the end because it helps to lock in the revelation. Another quick encouragement, too, is uh, we've launched our new small groups ministry called Circles. Uh, in fact, we've got a, a new one that's about to start for uh, mums that Pam is heading up called Adventurous Mums. And so she's got flyers that she's handing out to the mums today. So it's going to be a great one on Wednesdays, uh, fortnightly, that are going to be here at the church. And there's also going to be someone uh, that Pam has organized strategically and deliberately to actually, for some of the circle, to look after the kids for the mums, to give the mums um, some well-earned break to really get into the Word and have some great time to build community. So who thinks that that's fantastic for our mums? Uh, so if you know you're a mum and you'd love to build com- community with other mums and also bring your kids and have them looked after a p- for a portion of time while you can really get into the Word, hey, this uh, circle is for you. So see Pam today. She's got some invitations for you. But I want to mention circles because more and more we've got different types of circles that we're launching and it's so exciting. This is a season where God's really encouraging us outside Sunday celebration here, coming together as a congregational family to also be in each other's homes, you know, monthly, fortnightly, weekly, and get together, chew on the word together, have food together, build community. And I believe, uh, you know, small group ministry is nothing new, but for our church, there's something fresh upon it in this season. I want to encourage you. I believe as we build more intimacy with the Lord and more intimacy with each other as fellow believers, there's a sharpening that takes place. And I believe there's a particular anointing on it right now for us all to move to a new level. So I I don't say that lightly. I say that with a a sense of conviction that God's really instilled that in Sarah and I to say, hey, this is a time for us to build community within our homes and to get into the Word. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet checked out Circles, uh, there are a bunch of Circles that are launching. So um, have a look at that and check that out. So this teaching series, uh, all teaching series, sometimes we review and we chew on in circles, uh, but sometimes we look at other types of teaching series and practical courses as well. So there's, there's all different ways that you can get more into the Word. But for this teaching series, the first part, two Sundays ago, we looked at uh, the 30 days to live. We started with the fact that uh, the Bible teaches that in the last 30 days of Jesus' walk before He goes to the cross, there were significant things that He focused on. And we looked at how if we can study what Jesus focused on in the last 30 days before he went to fulfill his assignment, there's probably some exclamation marks there on what he did that shows his priority. And therefore, if we want to mirror Christ to become more Christ-like, it helps us to learn how to put greater priority on the things that are godly in our life. And so we looked at Jesus' last decision, that his last decision before the cross was actually to stay on mission, uh, to, to, uh, to make sure that he went right to the end of his assignment. We talked about how sometimes the greatest battle is before 
before the breakthrough. And so uh, even though things get tough, that doesn't mean that what you're doing isn't right. It just means probably more than ever, it is right, but it gets tough before the breakthrough. So we know that Jesus is teaching us through that example to stay on mission and to keep checking in with the Spirit of God around, okay, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And how do I persevere uh, and not give up even when the fire and the heat of the fire starts to increase? The second thing we learned from part one was Jesus's last sermon. He focused on two groups. He spoke to the very lost and hurting and broken, but he also spoke to the people who ultimately thought they were on track, but they also were probably more off track. And that was the hypocritical religious people who thought that their way to heaven was all about ticking the boxes on the surface, but underneath they were were dirty than most in terms of the, the condition of their spirit and soul. And so he really challenged both groups to understand that they need to get on track. The lost need to turn uh, to 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 him as a savior that he was the only way to the father and that was he was going to come again and there was an opportunity for salvation so he was challenging people who were lost who were hurting who who were free to admit they were sinners but he also challenged the people who who thought they were perfectly clean spiritually but only on the outside on the inside they were still grimy and dirty and that's the religious people um, and so it's a, it's a great way for us again to kind of look at you know where is our positioning at when it comes to our relationship with God and to stay on track is about being humble and and being close to God and that's really what we got from that point the third point Jesus's last emotion highlights the heartbeat of God I think sometimes we can forget that God really is moved by compassion that he genuinely loves people and he loves us and he weeps and he mourns for the loss that he, he mourns for the conditions of the hearts of human beings and so when we tap into the reality that Jesus's last emotion before the cross was not a hardness of heart thinking oh I have to do these for these these people but he absolutely wept as he came into the city of Jerusalem that that highlights the the the, the drive point of his motivation that Jesus absolutely eternally loves us and when we can connect to that truth in a fresh way it helps us again to kind of be attracted to hanging out with God because he ultimately loves us that was part one part two have a look at this next slide which was last Sunday was we talked about three turning points that again if you only had 30 days to live that you would make some real clear-cut decisions and we looked at the, the Bible teaches that life is just like a, a mere teardrop. It's it, literally that God measures our life by saying it's just the width of a man's hand. It's such a small amount of time when, when compared to eternity. And so therefore, it's about making good decisions with the time that we have and encouraging us to have these three turning points. Turning point number one was having the attitude of turning when into now, not always focusing on when this is perfect, when this is all in place, then I'll do this, but actually highlighting to yourself that sometimes we need to take our intentions and to the second point and turn them into action and uh, make sure that we don't let uh, days go by thinking, oh, we've got all the time in the world, but turn intention into action. And number three was turning our whole heart to Jesus. And we finished last Sunday with a powerful opportunity for people to come to the altar. I think about 90 to 95% of people in the auditorium came to the altar. And we had a great time of really stretching out um, and believing for God to reactivate our hearts towards Him wholeheartedly. Because that's one of the most powerful turning points you can have on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. Who believes that? So that's part one and part two. And so let's have a look at this next slide to introduce part three today as we come to a conclusion of the series. I want to say to you, this message today is called Fight for Peace. Everyone say Fight for Peace. How would your life be different if you knew today you only had 30 days to live, putting the priority and the focus on the things that are most important that really count? We're going to look at the scripture we looked at last week as well. We're going to go to this next slide to kick off part three. It's from Psalm 39, 4 to 5. It says this, Lord, 
Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. And so uh, the theme of this passage is to understand that, first of all, this is a reality, and it's a somber, but it's a somber thought, but it's also a wise thought. It's, it's making a good, clear recognition of the fact that life is actually short, and it's a precious amount of time that we've been given by God. And so it's good to recalibrate, to kind of check in and say, hey, where am I going? What am I focusing on? What are my priorities? And do I need to make some adjustments, particularly if I only had 30 days to live? Uh, if I only had such a precious amount of time and that was even shortened, would that put the exclamation mark on my focus to reprioritize? Well, the reality is here, hopefully everyone here has more than 30 days to live. But in God's eyes, it's a short amount of time, church. Your life is so precious, but it's short in the reality of eternity. So we want to make our life count. We still want to have fun. We want to have balance. But it's good wisdom to actually not always look at life as just, you know, laughing off life, but actually having moments of serious uh, reflection and thinking, hey, wh- where do I need to make adjustments? Um, and if you were here last week, we saw how God measures uh, our time on earth. It says it's the width of a hand. So knowing that our time on earth is brief, uh, we need to spend our time wisely. Everyone say wisely. And, uh, you know, when we talk about Forever House, our church here, a part of our mission is to help you to walk your life with God wisely and to make it count. Our mission statement here is to live with purpose, to live on assignment, to live with deliberate and intentional focus, to live with the heartbeat and the power of God on the inside of you, to actually walk with Jesus, to be alive with a mission from heaven on the inside of you, that your life counts that you actually were formed in your mother's womb and God had an intentional plan for you. In fact, he chose your mother and your father, the DNA of your bloodline, because there were giftings in that particular bloodline that's going to be related to your calling and your anointing. I mean, when you think about the reality that God intentionally planned you in your mother's womb with that direct individual plan and intent, how exciting is that? In fact, that's liberating because the whole thing about mental health right now out in this this crazy world that we live in, right? That mental health cases have increased, particularly in the Western world, a world that is so blessed, a world we have everything that we could ever imagine that we wanted, but yet we're even more depressed and lonely and isolated than ever before. Why? Because the the advertising of the world, the message out there of the world, it tries to convince us that we need all of these things to have a sense of purpose, to have a sense of status, to have a sense of meaning, but actually the answer to having a real sense of status, come on, a real sense of importance, a real sense sense of meaning, a real sense of drive is actually to be connected to your creator and your maker, the author of your life, who is the author and finisher who designed you for a set purpose in his heart, in your mother's womb, who gave you set giftings attached to a calling that he would anoint you for, that he would walk with you along to see you come into the fullness of the promise of your life. I mean, when you can connect to that revelation, it pushes all depression, it pushes all worry, it pushes all anxiety to the side. Does it make it automatically go away? No, but can I tell you, it's a starting point that lights the match or breakthrough when you get the revelation that you are called by the Most High God. 
And can I say to you today that if you've lost a fraction of that revelation or a lot of it, I want to say there's a charge that should be in your spirit this morning that says if you can grab a hold of that revelation afresh, maybe you're called to pray with us uh, next Tuesday and Wednesday. Amen. Because God's saying in the moment when you pray, when you push other things aside, when you press into His presence, that He'll infuse you with a new power, a new anointing, a new revelation to say, you know what? You are called and I am your most high God. There's nothing more powerful that can shift your mindset, your life, that can throw off old things that are setting you back, that sense of crustiness in your life where we feel old and tired sometimes when you hang out with God and He builds within you a fresh revelation that you are mine and I love you and you're with me and nothing, nothing is ever going to come against you as long as you stay connected with me. And so... Sometimes people don't get the level of desperation or hunger for this type of fresh revelation from God until they get a life scare, until they're told they've only got 30 days to live. How sad is it that it takes sometimes people to hear that type of horrible diagnosis or revelation that they have only a window of life left to shake them enough spiritually to get them to either cry out to God for the first time or to come back to the reality of Jesus in their life. And this is what Jesus is saying is that, woe to you people who think that you're ticking the boxes, but come back to the real relationship with me. Or for those that are lost, come on, there's more than what you see in front of you. And so it's about refreshing. What's this all about? Why is it important? And so relationship and relationships are important to Jesus. Jesus always did life with others in a meaningful and a powerful way because he knew there was an inbuilt need in every human being to be connected, to be connected to their maker. When you're connected to the the power source of your life, then you come alive and you're able to to do all the things that you're called to do. You're running in, in, in full force. You're running, it's like your batteries are fully charged. Every mechanism, every gifting, you, you think about, I'm just getting the picture of a vacuum clean, cleaner because uh, I was doing the vacuuming and, and, and God bless my wife, Sarah, because she's great at vacuuming and, and I realized how often I don't vacuum because I had to ask her how to use the vacuum cleaner when she asked me to use a vacuum cleaner. <sighs> and Julie's sitting right there, I can, I can feel, <laughs> no, I'm just saying. No, but with a vacuum cleaner, it was like something wasn't, wasn't right and then and then I realized I didn't have the particular piece plugged in, connected properly. And it was like, when I, once I have it fully connected and the power switch was on, that helps. It was, I was just like, this is great. Man, this is so much easier cleaning up this living room. Can I tell you, when you're plugged into God, it's so much easier cleaning up your life. Because our life gets messy. As we walk, our life gets messy. Can I just tell you, the anointing is really here. Man, I could preach for eight hours, I reckon, with this anointing. This is great anointing here. Who can feel the presence of God here today? I can tell the anointing flows because my notes become boring. (laughs) It's like, oh, I don't need the notes. Now I'm going to go back to the notes to stay on track. Amen. But the key here is get plugged in in a fresh way. But Jesus is into relationships. But we know that sometimes relationships in our lives are not what they should be. Sometimes our relationship with God isn't what it should be. Sometimes our relationship with others around us isn't what it should be. And God's design for relationships is that we pour goodness into each other. Did you know that? He, he's designed it for... See, when we're plugged in and connected with God, our other relationships start to flourish even more. 
because we're connected to the power source and there's an overflow, right? And we're able to then pour into other people. Now, we get all this. We've probably heard this before, but there's a timeliness. There's a sense of urgency on this message today. And that is, if you haven't noticed, with all the technology, life is getting busier and busier and busier. Has anyone noticed that? In fact, in the end times, it's, there's, a, there's you know, scripture and revelation that talks about the acceleration of the ages. And so there is something about life as we know it now where there's an acceleration on it. And it's like there's a lot of quantity, but there's a drain on qualities. And no one noticed that. And I don't know about you and I, but I, 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 what I do know is that when I hang out with Jesus, he's always trying to say, you know what? You need to put way more emphasis on the quality rather than the quantity, Brad. It's all about everything you're accumulating. It's about the quality. It's about the moments. We talked about this last Sunday, being in the moment. It's about turning off your iPhone when your four-year-old's in front of you. It's about the quality. So there's quality of relationship with God, but also with people. And I believe that God wants us to do fresh business with Him today to help us to shift into that new place of quality and not just quantity. I think many of us in the room here would probably have some form of relationship that's broken with another human being or or torn, hindered. Some of us may have family relationships that are splintered, relationships with with mum and dad that may be scarred because of a big argument and things haven't been the same. All these different types of examples that some of us or all of us could relate to. But I want you to think of this for a moment. Is there some person, is there someone who when you think of them, pretty much all you think of is bitterness? Just take a private moment in your headspace and your heart just to answer that question. You keep that to yourself, but just think on that for a moment. And is this person someone who you know you should really be close to or someone who once you were close to? And do you really think God wants you to have that kind of relationship? Now, I know we're talking about problematic stuff here in a moment. We're going to look at different examples. But I just want you to reflect. Does he really want you to walk in bitterness? Last week we we looked at, uh, I I shared on a personal level that when it came to me giving my heart to Jesus, it wasn't just, well, it wasn't a religious thing at all. It was a power thing. I really wanted to connect to the power of God. That's what really drew me to the real. I said, God, if there's something bigger than myself, I really need to know about it because I'm in a massive hole and I don't have the strength to get myself out. I need something bigger than myself. And when we plug into the power of God, it can help us to clean up our life. It can help to clean up our relationships. But not just the power of God, because who knows the power of God is directly connected to the Word of God. And I believe as a child of God, that it's important for us to not just walk through life and ignore the messy relationships that sometimes are at play that God would want us to deal with and talk to him about how can we clean these things up. Have you come to accept that division just is? Because remember the theme today is let's fight for peace. If you had 30 days to live, would you want to clean up things before you you actually physically met your maker? So I think that the message here today is well, don't wait for that diagnosis. Have a priority on that now. Ephesians 4.3, let's look at this scripture. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now it says make every effort. Everyone say every effort. 
make every effort. Because I think sometimes we go to the word unity. I don't know about you, but for me, my eyes are drawn to the word unity. They're drawn to the word spirit, and they're drawn to the word peace. But make every effort. It's, it's, it's highlighting the level of intent that you need to put on this principle. Keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. But make every effort to do that. Let's look at this next scripture and have a look here in the Greek. What every effort means. Now, the Greek word is sprazontes, and I probably mispronounced that. Is anyone here from Greek heritage? I apologize in advance. Sprazontes. Okay. Well, that's the Greek word. Everyone say, that's great. That's the Greek. (laughs) Okay. What does it mean? It means to strive eagerly and earnestly. To strive eagerly and earnestly. Let's go back to the previous slide if we can, AV team. To strive eagerly and earnestly. To strive eagerly and earnestly to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of prayer. Strive. What does the word strive mean? To really, really work hard. To really, to eagerly, with enthusiasm, with real drive, with real get-go, and earnestly. What does earnestly mean? Pronto. Sense of urgency. Make every effort to do that. Who here has ever seen the movie Braveheart? We'll just stay on this scripture for a moment. Anyone here seen Braveheart? Anyone here like the movie Braveheart? Yeah? What about Gladiator? Ooh, that one seems a bit more popular. Okay. But what I love about Braveheart is the character played there, William Wallace, he wants only one thing. He wants freedom for Scotland. And he strives and stretches for it with everything he has. And the theme today is to fight for peace. Don't just talk about peace. Don't mention how it's a lovely thing. Don't just pray for peace. Fight for peace. Everyone say fight. Everyone say for peace. And this is what God wants you to do for peace in your relationships. Isn't this interesting? For peace in your relationships. So God is calling us to fight for peace. 30 days to live. He wants us to fight, to strive eagerly and earnestly to make every effort to fight for peace in our relationships. Now, who knows that I joke about how Jesus isn't a hippie, right? For those of you who are new here today, I joke that, you know, Jesus isn't the kumbaya hippie that sits by the, you know, the lake of water and plays guitar and hands out flowers, because I think a lot of Christians would like to see Jesus like that. It's all about the love, right? <laughs> Jesus, is a, Jesus is a rebel, man. He is, he's a spiritual warfare guy. As well. He, he's all about love, but he's a spiritual warfare guy. So don't get me wrong. There's an oxymoron here, isn't it? Peace, fight for. Come on now, think about it. We think peace is just this little thing that just kind of, oh, it just drifts on in like a little bit of fresh air into the room. Ah, oh, and we just open up the window and oh, it just kind of sifts in peace. The spirit of peace. And de- no. <laughs> Uh-uh. <laughs> right? Greg and Julia are up here before saying, you know, they had a charge in the spirit that, you know, like King David, uh, the Bible is saying, hey, to, to, to believe for recovery of what's been lost, but you have to fight for it. And they gave him a charge of 36 hours, a day and a half. So they've got their revelation and they've got the revelation. We need to fight. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm talking about fighting for things, sure, I want to fight for finances that have been maybe stolen by the enemy. I want to fight for you know, business opportunities that maybe have gone astray. I want to fight for uh, these different things that we can believe God for. 
But ultimately, sometimes the thing that we have to fight most for is broken relationships. Come on now. Where are people at on the level of your list of achievement? Ooh, think about that. On, on your goals and your level of your list of achievement, what people are on there? What human beings are on there? See, when you think about goals or achievement, doesn't the world try to convince us that the greatest level of goals and achievements is what you can accumulate? Come on now. How much money you can earn? Come on. Is it okay to earn money? Yes. <laughs> is it okay to have a nice car? Yes. Is it okay to have a nice house? Yes. We don't get religious. But we bring balance to the fact that when you pray for your goals, when you pray for what you're called to achieve in life, how many human beings are listed on that list? You, is, is your family on there? Is your husband and wife on there? Your grandchildren on there? Brothers, sisters? How about your spiritual family? How about your boss? <laughs> Cousins? How about the person that you really dislike right now? Come on now. When we're going in to fight and believe for breakthrough, how many of us are focusing on breakthrough in relationships and human lives? Apart from our own. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because I believe this. I believe one of the greatest things that we can bring restoration to is relationship. I think a lot of us are convinced that what's going to really bring us joy is all the things we're trying to accumulate to make us feel good about ourselves that we're further advanced than the other person down the street. See, I think the message of the world has tried to lie to us and say that's going to be the key to your joy. That's going to be the key to your confidence. That's going to be the key to your sense of importance and status. That's going to be the key to your identity. If you work hard enough and accumulate enough things that are like trophies to say, hey, you're doing pretty well compared to the guy down the road or the girl down the road, you know what? That's the thing that's going to really bring you joy. We talked last week about this thing called fear of missing out. That the worldly message out there is trying to drive within your heart a fear of missing out. That you would be motivated by a fear of missing out on what the world says is actually going to give you your identity and give you your joy. But God would say to you today, do not listen to that lie because it's going to lead you down a path where like the old saying is, it's going to be the corporate ladder that's leaning the wrong way on the other building. And you're going to climb to the top and you're going to look at the view and you're going to go, this actually isn't a great view at all. And actually, I'm completely dis disconnected from the destiny that God had for me. The Spirit of God this morning is wanting to shake us in love and say, what are we doing all this for? And have we bought into the worldly message that would get us off track and that would cause us to diminish the importance of hanging out with God? I don't have time to hang out with God. I don't have time to read the Bible. I have time to go to church. I don't have time to hang out in a circle. I have time to serve. Life is just too busy. And it's so busy because I'm working so hard to be ahead of the guy down the street so I can have a sense of status and importance. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we really doing what we're doing? 
Everyone breathe in. All right. Let's go for this. Number one. Next slide. Thank you, team. We're going to look at three keys to fight for peace. Number one, everyone say confront humbly. Let's have a look at this scripture in Matthew. Chapter 5, verses 23 to 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. It's funny because the last teaching series, this scripture came through and it came through again, this teaching series. And what I've noticed is, is that when there's a particular scripture in a season that gets repeated, it's because... God's either trying to highlight something, or maybe there are some people who haven't quite caught it yet. So we're going to go there today. This may be, on the screen, one of the most overlooked commands of Jesus, I think, by today's Christians. If you're worshipping, praying, spending intimate time with God, and you have a relationship that is not what it should be, basically, Scripture is saying it's hypocrisy. Now, hypocrisy is a word that we should swallow with the spirit of love. Because like in Jesus' last sermon before the cross, he spoke to people's hypocrisy not to shame them, but to deliver them. And even modern church setting today, we can all sometimes fall in the trap of having levels of hypocrisy. I'm preaching to myself here. There was someone just the other week in the marketplace that really did something. None of you would know who this person is, but did something that was just not cool towards me, uh, stole an opportunity by doing something completely unethical that cost me, and can I tell you, for two or three days, I had hate in my heart, <laughs> i just confess that right here, like, hey, like, I really hate this person, <laughs> I could punch them if, if they were here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and as I thought about it, my fists would kind of clench. My face, we're going, mm. <laughs> right? And then God said this to me, you've actually got bigger and better opportunities coming up, but I actually need you to deal with this so that I can release you into that thing. God was saying, don't get trapped by that bitterness. So leave immediately and then go fix the problem. Your spirituality towards God actually is impacted by your spiritual, spirituality towards other people. They're actually not separated. And we know that this is difficult to deal with because sometimes we have to confront situations. Now, we know we've spoken about the wisdom of, you know, if you have unforgiveness, then sometimes it's, you know, a situation where you shouldn't say anything to the person. You just need to deal with it privately. You know, it's kind of what I call letting it go through to the wicket keeper, right? We don't have to hit every offense and confront everything. Sometimes let's just get it, let it go through the wicket keeper. We deal with it with our heart and God. And sometimes the person isn't aware of it and harmony continues because we've appropriated it properly. But sometimes we do need to confront. And Jesus sometimes wants us to fix relationships by confronting humbly. Maybe you need to talk to your dad. Maybe you need to talk to your mom. Maybe you need to talk to your sibling. Maybe a friend you once had or a coworker. Don't let the confrontation be about who's right and wrong. Let it be about how much you have to gain by making the relationship right. 
Go to them with a humble spirit. Know that God is the only judge perfect enough to keep score. You may think, yeah, but I just, I just, I just know they won't be open to it. Well, they're not going to be open to it with faith like that. Right? And it's actually really not about them. It's about you. Have you done everything that Jesus would have you to do to deal with bitterness in a relationship? Is God, sometimes he'll ask you not to do this. Let's get balanced here. But sometimes he may say, you know what? The key for you breaking through is you have to confront. And doing the right thing in this area just may open up so many wonderful things for you simply because it opens up your relationship with God. Did you know that? So do it now. Your time on earth is short. Confront humbly. And so I want you in your heart privately, just fill in the blank. Whom do you need to confront humbly? Just answer that yourself as we go to point two. Oh, good. There it is. Who or what is God asking you to confront? Thank you, AV team. Just answer that to yourself. Let's have a look at this next slide. Point number two about fighting for peace is love deeply. Everyone say love deeply. Well, have a look at this scripture here. In 1 Peter 4, 8, it says, Above all, love each other deeply. Above all, love each other deeply. Now, when we see the word deeply, again, we're going to look, look at the Greek word because it's from the New Testament. And it, it's pronounced, well, I'm not going to tell you how it's pronounced, but I'm going to attempt to pronounce it. It's called ekteno. Okay, deeply, to stretch or extend. So if we reread that, it says, above all, love each other and stretch or extend with that love. Stretch or extend with that love. So let me ask you this. When it comes to loving, it's not about loving someone because it's easy, loving someone because it's convenient, loving someone because they love you, right? God's talking here about loving deeply. And I want to ask this question. Do you know anyone that tests your patience? Do you know someone when you love them, it really stretches you? They make you so mad that you just want to, uh, we won't say it. Who knows that sometimes you want to just give up on that relationship? Who knows that if we just want to give up on that relationship, it's called shallow love. It's not loving deeply. It's only loving when it's convenient, when it's easy. But how do I know when it's going too far? Well, look, Jesus actually answered that question. Let's have a look at Matthew 18 for the answer here. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. 77 times. Everyone say 77. 77 times. Now, someone's in the audience going, oh, there you go, Pastor Brad, talking about that Jesus stuff. But it's a, key, it's a key revelation here about the example of Christ, about forgiveness. Let's have a look at John 13, 34, to reiterate this. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, notice that there's a sandwich here. <laughs> it's a Jesus sandwich. It's a piece of bread, then some meat, then a piece of bread, right? Love one another. Everyone say Bread. As I have loved you, everyone say meat. So you must love one another. Say then another piece of bread. Okay, who knows that it's easier to eat a sandwich because it's got a combination of flavors so you can swallow it. Just throwing a piece of ham in or just a piece of dry bread in, it makes it less palatable. Has anyone 
Know what I'm talking about? So when you bring different flavors together, it's easy for you to swallow it, right? What Jesus is actually saying here is that you can't disconnect your spirituality towards me with your spirituality towards other people. And I need you to swallow that because it's truth and it will help you. This is why it's saying, hey, you can worship God and do all these wonderful things about confessing how much revelation you're getting about God, how much you love God. But if you've got bitterness in your heart for a fellow human being, you need to go and deal with that, confront that, process that, seek forgiveness from God, seek forgiveness for the person, ask for forgiveness, get their forgiveness, whatever the process needs to be, before you go back to proclaim how much you love God. Everyone say, ow. Everyone say, ooh. Yeah, there we go. We're just recalibrating. A new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. Now, I know that most of you have read this scripture, and this is not brand new news flash revelation. It's not like we're having a conference session, and you go, wow, this is really cool revelation. But sometimes we have to appropriate the word because of where we're at. That's why we're calling this teaching. It's about chewing on it. And I feel that one of the keys to us breaking through individually in this season is we've got to actually put more emphasis on how are we expressing our spirituality towards other fellow human beings. Because we can be all wow about God, but yet if we're bitter against and we've got unforgiveness towards someone else, God's saying, hey, what are you doing all this for? You need to get that right before you come back and worship me. We can all be all loud and all like out there for Jesus, but yet it's a little pockets of darkness inside our heart that actually hinder us from breaking through. And God's saying, I want to shed light on that. I need you to deal with that because I really want you to break through. I want you to be able to receive everything that I have for you in this season. But we need to deal with these things. I mean, this is tough stuff. It's, it's solid, true, good stuff that addresses the reality of what God wants us to do. Now, in 1 Peter 4 eight, we haven't got this up here, but I want to highlight this. This is why loving people so deeply is important. Because in 1 Peter 4 eight, it says, uh, love covers a multitude of sins. And so what it's saying there is the power of love is actually greater than the power of all the wrong that's happened. It covers a multitude of sin, which means this. When there's sin, even if sin has been done towards you, even if you weren't the perpetrator, sin has consequences. Sin disconnects. And if you're focused on your frustration with someone else's sin towards you, guess what? Even though you didn't sin towards them, your frustration and your unforgiveness of their sin towards you still disconnects you from God. There are consequences to sin. There are consequences not if we just sin, but if we don't manage the forgiveness of the sins of people towards us, it still creates a disconnect between us and God. Have you thought about that? Think about that. Come on. This is aligned to Scripture. It's not about looking at sin as just what we do wrong, but when others do sin towards us, we have to manage that in our hearts. There is a difference between sin, uh, forgiveness, and trust. I'll talk about that in a moment. Actually, let me, let me just talk about that now, and then I'm going to go on to the third point. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, God, give me an analogy around, you know, the trust and the, the, the forgiveness thing. And this is a really bizarre analogy because I'm not a betting kind of guy. I'm actually, I'm not into gambling at all. Uh, it has full-on consequences to do with families. 
But I said, God, give me an analogy. And he, he said, talk about betting on a horse in a horse race. The difference between forgiveness and trust is this. Let's say that there's a horse uh, and uh, it's running a race. And let's say that the horse represents someone that I'm in relationship with, right? When I put trust in someone, I'm really betting on them. I'm betting on them to not betray me. I'm betting on them to actually get a good result for me relationally. Do you hear what I'm saying? So I'm kind of, in a way, putting my trust on them. If you bet on a horse, you're kind of betting on the odds that they're going to give you a good result. So you put your money on that horse, right? Now, let's say that... Uh, a horse runs a race and you put your money on them, but guess what? They failed you. They didn't get a good result and you lost your money. The difference between forgiveness and trust is this. Should the horse be allowed to run another race? But are you going to put your money on them the next time? Probably not straight away. You're going to hold off, aren't you? So watch this. A lot of us... I think are confused between trust and forgiveness. A lot of us are saying, you know what? That horse is never going to run again. Ever. I'm not going to let that horse run again. Ever. Because of what they did to me. But God's saying, if you, approach, if you have that decision in your heart, that's actually going to create a prison for you. Because that person actually does have some of destiny. You need to release them from the prison that you're holding them onto in their heart because actually it will be toxic for you. You're going to let them run. As in... Let, try and, and restore the relationship. Go in and confront. Are you going to put your money on them straight away? Are you going to put your trust on them straight away? No, you're probably going to watch from a distance, but you still need to let them run again. You need to give them a second chance to run their race in your life. Are you going to have more boundaries? Are you going to have more distance? Yes. Now, if that horse repeatedly, 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 repeatedly fails you, then you're probably going to create more and more, 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 more distance. We're not even going to go anywhere near the fact that you would put any trust on them. But should you continually 77 times let them allow to run again? Yes. That's a difference, I feel, or an example, the difference between forgiveness and trust. Number three is forgive irrationally. I'm going to ask the musos, just the instrumentalists to come. Forgive irrationally. Everyone say irrationally. Because it is. And this is why I wanted to highlight the difference between forgiveness and trust. Don't trust irrationally. That's foolishness. The book of Proverbs talks about trusting and, and being careful and being mindful and being thoughtful. Don't just being lured off by someone because they have the wrong agenda. We need to have our trust blinkers on. We need to wise up about things. But forgiveness, actually, in Scripture, is to forgive irrationally. Why? Because God forgave irrationally towards you irrationally and he will always keep forgiving and so we need to mirror that let's have a look at Colossians 3.13 bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another for one another forgive as the Lord forgave you It's interesting here because it says whatever. See, to me in this scripture, it's the word, it's the word whatever. Say it with me. Say whatever. 
bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Whatever. I'll be honest, I think that's irrational. It's not rational. But it's God. I've had some pretty good hurts in my life. I've had some people be pretty dirty to me over the years. Maybe you can resonate with that yourself. The most painful is when my good has been evil spoken of. Just sharing personally here. You try to do good and then people slander you. People gossip. Some outright tell baseless lies. I'm sure you've experienced similar things in your own journey. And the scripture says here, I'm just supposed to just forgive this 70 times a day according to Jesus? Absolutely. Am I going to keep betting on that person? Probably not because that's a damage to trust and wisdom would say you need to appropriate that. But am I going to lock that person up in a stable in my heart and say I'm never going to let that person run again? No, I need to let them out of that stable, I need to not lock them in my heart because of unforgiveness. 77 times. And as I think of this command to forgive, my heart really turns to some of you out there because I know that many of you have been injured deeply by another. I know that some of you have been injured by gossip, by slander, and that is very tough. I've experienced it as well. But I think some of you, and we know some of you, have experienced even full-on stuff, abuse, physical, sexual, mental abuse. And how do you get to the place where you can just look at that person and say you're forgiven? So let me clarify this for a moment. I've written this down so I say this clearly and so we understand. Some of you, when you confront humbly, you don't need to be near the person because it's not safe. Let me make that clear. This scripture isn't always appropriate where you actually have to be face-to-face or even actually talking to the person. Because for a lot of you in certain situations, that wouldn't be safe. So we need to apply wisdom there. But you can confront the image of them in your heart. Did you know that? Let me say that again. You can confront the image of them in your heart. But even then, how do I forgive this person? How, How do I do this? Well, let's look at part of scripture that helps us. Two reasons why I absolutely must forgive. Number one, I forgive as he forgave me. 100% no judgment, no questions asked, no limitations. Jesus forgave me. And so I have to forgive others as he forgave me. Number two, forgiveness is not for their healing, it's for mine. Everyone say it's for mine. Let's have a look. Here we go. Two reasons why I must forgive. Jesus forgave me. Forgiveness brings healing to me. I would have just put your hand up in the air. Just do this for me. It's okay. I'm not going to go weird. (laughs) I'm not into weird. You probably caught that. But I want you to just do this. I want you to grab a hold of your healing and just bring it to your heart and say this. Jesus, I forgive that person right now in your name. Amen. I want to finish with this. In Psalm 68, 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. 
Now, we're coming to a, a close very soon. But if anything I want you to pay attention to, it's this next point. So focus in like you never have over this whole 40, 50 minutes. Focus in because this is the most critical point I'm about to make to end this teaching series. Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us up with benefits. So every day, God loads us up with benefits. God has the capacity to give limitlessly. But you and I only have the capacity to receive so much. Did you know that? So let me visually illustrate. Let's say I'm carrying around a bag of weights of the past, unforgiveness. And as I pray for God's blessing in my life, as I pray for God's breakthrough in my life, as I pray for God to answer my prayers, God keeps coming out on stage offering blessings, offering breakthrough. But I cannot receive it because my hands are full of the weight of the past. Unforgiveness is poisonous bitterness that keeps you from receiving all that God has for you daily. And so that's why we've got to forgive. Because God wants you to receive more things. He's got new things for you, but you actually block your ability to connect with God and receive from Him if you're holding on to bitterness. Everyone say there's a direct benefit for me. Okay, we're going to stand. Let's stand and pray. I'm going to ask the service team member if we can just move this pulpit. Thank you. I want everyone to look here for a moment as we close. The most important thing I want you to do is I don't want you to worry about the person standing next to you or standing in front of you. Because I find sometimes we can miss our opportunity to appropriate this to our own life. I want everyone to close your eyes and let's do business with God. I want you to visualize the person that you need to forgive. And let's also extend the word forgiveness to frustration, annoyance, aggravation, cynicism. Unforgiveness can express itself in different ways. And what I want you to do is I want you to see that person in a prison that you put them in because you haven't really forgiven them. And then I want you to see Jesus walking towards you as you've got your eyes closed, putting a key in your hand. And the key represents that he has freely and without any hesitation forgiven you of everything that you've done wrong. That key represents His grace to you. That key represents your salvation. It represents your entry into heaven that you haven't earned. That key is a gift as He's handing that to you afresh. And then I want you to take that key and I want you to unlock that prison door that that person's locked in. Go ahead and do that. Just visualize that right now. And as you unlock that door, I want you to say, God, I forgive that person. I'm letting go 
of the bitterness. I'm letting go of the frustration. I'm letting go of the anger. I'm letting go of the aggravation. I'm letting go of the betrayal. I'm letting go of the hurt. I'm letting it go. Now see that person just walking off. You're allowing them to go and walk now and walk their life. And as you do that, I now want you to look back at Jesus. And as you look back at Jesus, I want you to feel all the heaviness and all the weight that you've been carrying just falling off, that your load is just being lightened, that you're just being set free, you're just being healed. And now I want you to look at Jesus and I want you to just tell him that you're thankful and that you love him. As everyone's got their eyes closed, Holy Spirit, set people free today. Move, God. Bring healing. Bring a softening. Chains fall. Bondages fall. Hardness of heart. Be healed in Jesus' name. Power of God, release. Release, release people. Release them, God. Unlock. Lord, you're unlocking. You're unlocking, God. Thank you, Father. Now pour in, God. Strengthen people. Strengthen them, Jesus with your mighty power. Father, I pray, Lord, for this season of momentum. Lord, we're going to run forward with a new lease of life. And Father, now we're going to receive. We're going to receive new things. We're going to receive new anointings. We're going to receive new vision. We're going to receive new revelation. Lord, help us to run forward in this season. We declare that you're mighty. We declare that you're glorious. And Lord, we give you praise because you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are awesome, God. And Lord, we're full of your joy. We're full of your strength. We're full of your tenacity. And Father, we are fighters for peace. We declare there's harmony in our life. We declare, Lord, that there's peace in our life. We declare, Lord, that there's power in our life. And we declare, Lord, that we're moving forward by faith, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, let's give him some praise. Thank you, Lord. Hey, I want to encourage you that if you want ministry or if there's something specific that you would need prayer for, we're going to invite you to the front here. Our team are going to pray for you. Uh, We're going to open up the cafe doors. Don't hesitate if you want prayer for anything. Come to the front as we open up the cafe doors. We've now got some Thai green curry and I think some dessert. So enjoy cafe time. But if you want more ministry, come to the front. We invite you to do that.
Be blessed this week. Love you, church. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you.